1: Suzanne leaves for an extended period of time it's like it's simultaneously freeing but it's also like too much freedom like I have to 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 remind myself not even remind myself I just have to like make myself sleep in bed instead of on the couch and like would you spend the whole
0: night on the couch
1: most of it are you kidding sometimes the cat will jump up and he's a good like his little sleepies seep into me he's He's hard to ignore. You,
0: and by his little sleepies, do you mean weird cat brain virus? Do you have no? That? He just
1: he sleeps on me, and he's very warm, and it's it's like having a little living pillow that makes you go to sleep.
0: Do you eat a lot of pizza? Like, cause
1: some people I don't are like, eat a lot of pizza, I, but I eat meals chicken, become the lady's gone. No, meals become like this nebulous. Oh, the t- just the whatever, like. Like, oh, we, I have, like, some cheese left over from when I made pizza. I guess I'll just eat that for lunch.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: I got it together tonight, and I had asparagus. Just and asparagus. Had, and then I had an apple. And then I had a whiskey's sour. <laughs> two <laughs> two whiskey sour. Oh, so this is going
0: to be a rollicking good time. You're all hopped up on asparagus and whiskey.
1: Yeah, man, asparagus. <laughs> that, that, that stuff will mess you up.
0: <coughs> well, welcome to Overdue. Uh, we're not out of town, and we're also a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig.
1: My name is Andrew. And what town will we, we be out of? Like, Booktown. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't
0: that obvious? Uh, so yeah, we're here. We're, we're here to talk about books. And food, I suppose.
1: But mostly books.
0: Mostly books.
1: It's not called over food. That would be weird.
0: That'd be a different show.
1: <laughs> so, Craig, you were telling me before we started, um, before we started recording, about the states that we had visitors from. Like, since that we ran that interview and in book ride a couple weeks ago, and that's really, I guess, kicked kick-started some interest in the show kick-started
0: some pinterests in our podcast
1: (laughs) yeah and and we've gotten fan like we got a fan mail from somebody in spain this week which is really amazing and cool and you were telling me craig that we have listeners in 45 of the 50 states yeah so here's the
0: thing america here's the thing (laughs) we've got a listener in spain who's writing us Facebook messages her name is Nina she seems nice we've got uh listener listeners in Karnataka India I'm not pronouncing that right we've got listeners in, <laughs> that's how you know it's yeah
1: it's not from around
0: <laughs> we've got listeners in, Maca- in Macari in the Philippines we've got listeners in Medicine Hat Alberta Canada that's a real place city's name is Medicine Hat and there are people there who listen to our show All right? But there are five states that need to get their act together.
1: All right. What are the states? Which states are we putting on notice right now?
0: We are putting South Dakota on notice.
1: Okay. I think we can give South Dakota a bye because there's nobody who lives in (laughs) South Dakota. Well, see, this might be the problem because South
0: Dakota, Nebraska, right? Okay. Everyone's too bummed out about how flat their state is to listen to anything. (laughs) There's Wyoming, which could be a perfectly wonderful state. I know literally nothing about the state of Wyoming. There's Alaska, a state so dangerous the government pays people to live there because there's okay. all those ice road truckers driving around. Is that why they in, do so.
1: that? Is it because it's dangerous or is it because oil subsidies or something? I don't even...
0: Probably a little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> there are bears up there, bear subsidies, I think. <laughs>
1: And then The bear
0: credit. And then the outlier is Mississippi. I don't know what we did to the good folks in
1: Mississippi. We haven't talked about that river enough, I guess. I guess. We, we can never they, talk to anybody from Mississippi without them bringing up ups- that river. They're
0: upset that we haven't read enough uh, Mark Twain. We haven't covered either Huck Finn or Tom Sawyer yet.
1: That's probably why. Most of them, though, are those like kind of westerly rectangular states that you're never quite sure which one is which
0: oh man i will fully admit it took me like two minutes staring at that map to figure out which states were missing (laughs) (laughs) so you're not
1: you're not the kid that i want on my team if we're doing that where in the world is carmen san diego thing where they have to like put the little stopper on the correct geographical area. Do you remember that? Yeah,
0: you probably don't want me on your team.
1: That's that show you always felt bad for the kids who got like Asia or something. Like the, the kids <laughs> who got America. Like of course they knew where everything was. That's that's easy mode. But then the kids who had to do like Central America could never make it through yeah that's i always felt bad for them that's tough
0: i don't know enough about the world i I I feel bad about it on a regular basis
1: we're we're americans i guess that's our birthright or something
0: (laughs) but in the meantime the parts of america that that aren't listening to overdue yet you gotta
1: you gotta you know
0: or ooh or current listeners
1: take us across state lines we're sure you know somebody from you we are sure that one of you knows the guy from South Dakota just get <laughs> can car, you reach out to him? Drive. hey Carl Carl in South Dakota, yeah. can you just like can you just get an iPod for 1 second <laughs> and just listen to our show?
0: Just get in your get on your tractor and go visit Anastelle in Wyoming. She reads books, I bet. They might be like Dean Koontz novels, but they're books. <laughs>
1: Wow, I like, I mean, I, um, I guess our thing is inclusiveness until it comes to Dean Koontz. I,
0: I don't know. I read. I read a good number of Dean Koontz books in middle
1: school. I think I'm. <laughs> I think I'm good. So uh let's let's move on from the geography portion of the show, I, I guess. I'll give you a and, segue,
0: um, but let's just talk about books, I guess.
1: Okay. So so this week Craig read the book and he is going to explain it to me. So Craig, what, <laughs> what did you read?
0: I read The Giver by Lois Lowry.
1: Alright. And that's I I mean, I read The Giver when I was in middle school, I think. It was one of those it was in like that same area where some teachers will have you read like Shiloh or like where the red fern grows, yes. or maybe like Bridge to Terabithia or yes. something.
0: You've 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 graduated beyond my side of the mountain, but you're not quite at like Lord of the Flies.
1: Yeah. Like you you're know? you're well into chapter books, but you're not ready for a Raid Bradbury just yet.
0: Yes, exactly. And that's a good comparison because I, I think that there is a little bit of baby's first Ray Bradbury in this in this book, <laughs> like not shying away from the from the big ideas, but uh, perhaps being very comfortable at aiming them a little lower in the age bracket. Sure. If that makes so, sense. So
1: diet Bradbury, yeah, That's what, you're, what with, you're telling me with a twist of
0: lime. No, that's not. <laughs> um, so Lois Lowry, uh, actually, there's. I couldn't find a lot about her. She has a she has her own web page that has some kind of information on her life, pretty extensive biography. Um, her parents uh, moved her, moved her around a lot when she was a kid. Thought it was a neat bit of trivia for uh, us, Andrew. She ended up growing up in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, where one of our dear friends grew up. Oh, nice! Um, so, things kind of neat. She then kind of moved to Maine and and got her graduate. Uh, degree I think in English and literature and ended up kind of later in her life uh, writing it, she was her first marriage uh, ended when she was in uh, in 1977 I don't even know if she was married a second time um, but she did meet someone else um, she's still alive but she's pretty old um, she was born uh, in the 30s I think so uh, she's suffered a, a decent amount a close familial hardship in, in her life. She lost her older sister when she was in her twenties. Uh, she's lost a son in, uh, like a military plane accident. Um, and her overarching theme seems to be this kind of reminder of interconnectedness between people. Um, mm. and being from a military family and, and, her initial marriage was to a man who worked in the military, and uh, you know her son died in the in service in the air force. So I think she she's kind of passionate about the way that stories can resolve conflicts or prevent conflict. Um, I think it's kind of interesting, and and her book tackles I could see it tackling that in an interesting way, mm-hmm. um, but that's about all I have on her. Uh, since she came to it a lot later in life, I think there's a little bit less of, and she's, she's still alive. So there's a little bit less of that, um, kind of pre-made narrative that we have for some of the authors we talk about, if that makes sense. Like Mm -hmm. what led them to write the particular types of books they they do write. Um,
1: yeah, like we're kind of spoiled because a lot of the books we've been meaning to read are kind of on the, on the list of classic books and, that means that the authors have been extensively researched, and there's a lot of stuff to talk about. But yeah, with more contemporary authors, as I think we've we've said before, there's not always as much to say. Um, one thing I didn't know about The Giver until pretty recently was that it had been followed up with anything. Like and that's, <laughs> once I yeah. once I outgrew the the Giver, I stopped kind of paying attention to it. But it's apparently part of a um, a loose quadrilogy. Of books so there's um the giver was written in 1993 um there's gathering blue which was from 2000 messenger from 2004 and sun from 2012 and they're all um not necessarily like they don't they don't all tell one big story but they're they all kind of intersect and are set in the same um the same time and in the same world so in that way, you know they're they're all connected to one another.
0: Well, and going hand in hand with with you being surprised that those books existed, I was surprised that The Giver was written in 1993. Um, given that I have such distinct memories of it being a book that I just never happened to encounter in middle school, but knowing mm-hmm. that plenty of people our age in our, in our late twenties right now did read it, then uh, the fact that it was a contemporary book that made its way into curriculum is kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, like if I was reading it, I probably would have been reading it in like fifth grade, like fifth or sixth grade. That sounds right. But yeah, it so it's only been, maybe four or five years after this book is published, yeah, right? Yeah, it may have been younger. And normally it takes, it takes stuff longer to... I don't want to say... <laughs> To say leech into the curriculum maybe gives it a negative connotation that it doesn't deserve, but it usually takes stuff longer to be vetted by like the educational apparatus and passed on to kids. So,
0: well, and we we'll, we can kind of talk about why it might have made its way in as we talk about the book overall. But it is you can classify it as young adult fiction if you'd like. It certainly centers on a young adult. The main character Jonas is. He turns twelve, you know, a third of the way into the book, uh, and it does kind of have themes of adolescence and and growing up over the course of the story, which are obviously very relevant to a middle school age group. Uh, and I think part of the part of its adoption as a kind of canonical curriculum book has to do with a, a philosophy that younger readers are going to want to relate to characters that are like them. And then if you toss kind of classic texts at them too soon, then they get turned off from the enterprise of reading and literature. Overall, you know, that's there's a whole pedagogical argument and debate to be had over that, for sure.
1: But yeah, I mean, what something I sort of remember from my first reading of The Giver was, I think... That when I was reading it, I was roughly the same age as Jonas, the main character in the book. And so it's really easy for me to put myself in his shoes and understand what he's going through, even though the world that he's growing up in is drastically different from ours. And so, yeah, in, in that sense, it's it's a good way to hook kids in is like – yes. I don't like there were a lot of cartoons and stuff we watched like I think Doug was all about that like Mm -hmm. taking this taking this kid who had your problems and giving them this weird cartoon universe to live in (laughs) sure you know I think kids like kids like seeing other kids that they can empathize with you know. Yes, it's a. you were making a
0: wonderful point. I'm just surprised that you pulled out Doug funny. That's no, all. <laughs> I'm
1: just bringing a Carmen Sandiego, Doug. Like I'm a rich <laughs> tapestry of Nickelodeon references today.
0: Uh, so, let's talk about the world of The Giver uh, specifically, because I think one of the things that the book it it has been knocked for being kind of thin. Um, it does. It, I think one you may or may not have read some of these quotes that have to do with whether or not it passes the plausibility test. (laughs) Uh, Because there are certain things about the world that seem there to support the thematic arguments of the book uh, and are less part of a more conventional world building that we kind of see as, as very popular in books today, if that makes sense. Right. Um, the the argument that I always like to bring up. I read a pretty convincing article a couple of years ago during the Harry Potter craze, where someone talked about the game of Quidditch and how the scoring system really makes no sense, and that it's really there to make Harry look special to the reader. Like,
1: yeah, no, the Quidditch is the dumbest thing ever because <laughs> the Snitch is just, I don't, you know, those games where they give out points, but then they get to a lightning round and the points given out in the lightning round are so many that the other rounds of the game are rendered in boots. Like, that's what Quidditch is. Yeah, yeah. It's, the snitch is the lightning round, and everything is. else is just window dressing.
0: And, and it's there to serve the overall narrative arc and, and the character story. So the world of The Giver takes place in a an unspecified near future, or future, I suppose, uh, in a capital C community that is never named other than that. And this kid Jonas lives with his family and his younger sister, and he's eleven, and I think she's seven at this point. And a couple, we don't know when it happened, but years and years ago, the community or someone instituted something that they call sameness, uh, which is kind of they. The book teases out exactly what that means over the course of the narrative. It never like sits down and gives you a big info dump on.
1: There's not like an Obi Wan Kenobi who's who's talking to you about the time before the sameness. Or no, something well like
0: that <laughs> that happens a little later with the Giver, um, the actual the titular Giver who sh- who does show up. Um, but
1: even he, like, he's a pretty old guy, and I, the impression that I got, and I might be misremembering, was that. Even to him, like, the time before the sameness was not, like, a living memory.
0: No, no, he's been... He, not for him, anyway. He's carrying other yeah. people's memories. Well, so, I
1: mean, the, this thing, this whole thing has, is at least a few generations old. Like, it, it seems like nobody living has a memory of what it was like before. So, yeah, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here, but... <clears throat> I'm, just, I'm, I'm just... I'm just... Yeah, I thought that it seemed organic.
0: Yeah. So. No, 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 no. I just want to make sure we're clear <laughs> about what we're even talking about Um, with these memories so what in this society, everyone is assigned a job. Um, there's a quote later and that Jonas says where he, it kind of dawns on him. He hasn't really learned everything that the book, uh, has him learn yet. And he kind of says, Oh my God, what if people actually made choices for themselves? That would be terrible. <laughs> what if they chose who they were going to marry or, or what job they were going to be, what they were going to have. That would be the worst. Um, because people just are not capable of that in this universe. So there's this council of elders that kind of oversees everything in town. And enforces this kind of blanket mediocrity. You're not supposed to brag about yourself. You're, everyone wears like similar clothes. And you're kind of confined by this politeness. right? Um, one of the rituals that I kind of like... That is what in the first chapter of the book is at the end of every day at dinner, you're supposed to sit with your family and talk about your feelings and talk about the feelings that you had that day. So you might just sit down and be like, I was very angry that. And his little sister tells a story where she's like, I was really angry that this kid didn't know the rules because he was from another community and he cut in line, and oh, I'm angry. <laughs>
1: I have something to say about that, but I'm going to save it for for when you get a little bit further ahead, I think.
0: Um, And it's just kind of interesting, they talk about precision of language a lot, and Jonas kind of frets over how to express the emotions he feels on that day, because what's going to happen in a few months is that he's going to get selected for whatever job he gets when he turns 12. Um, So... In this society, the sameness is kind of enforced by the things that the society bestows on you at every age. And I kind of want to run down this list real quick because it's kind of funny. Okay. When you are one year old, you are assigned to a family unit and given a name um, because you can't stay in the nurturing center. You don't, your parents are not your parents. You were born into the world by some woman who is assigned to be like a birth giver and then you get handed off to random people
1: oh i forgot about that Which they just, have people who just give birth to other people
0: well and they're kind of they're kind of looked down upon because the society kind of de- like when you get assigned if you're assigned a birth giver it's like well you're not really smart enough to do anything else but all your parts work yep
1: so, <laughs> so. and you're healthy so why don't you go pump
0: out a bunch of babies and then we'll put you in like the factory or something. You're later. good
1: at being a you're, you're good at being I don't even know what the what the word is like a concubine <sighs> in society you're a so. conduit
0: for the future is what you are. A conduit um, for the future. At 3, uh all the females get hair ribbons cuz they start growing hair in different ways and they need to look the same. <laughs> like your hair has to look the same as everyone else's. So you have okay. to time up in ribbons. At four, this is one of the funny ones, you get a backward buttoned jacket. You get a ba- like a jacket that buttons up the back so that it teaches you interdependence. So you're four and you have this jacket that you can't put on or take off by yourself. So you need to go to your other four year old friends and be like, help. <laughs>
1: And if you don't learn how to ask other people for help, everyone can see your butt. Yeah, that's the that's the implied. Well,
0: and nakedness is is shameful in this in this community as well, Um, and in all communities. Well, let's yeah, we can talk about that if we want. Um, (laughs) When you become seven, you get your front button jacket, (laughs) so that you can learn independence, Um, and it's a it's the first visible sign of maturity, right? You have to be able to take care of your own business, like your clothes.
1: Like buttoning your stupid jacket up. Uh, when you, All right.
0: Yeah, when you become eight, you you get a jacket with pockets so that you're allowed to carry around your own possessions, like jacks or toys or whatever. Or shivs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And you start volunteering at different things in the community. So you might go volunteer at the hall for records or for the caring for the elderly or or whatever. And that way, when you turn 12, the elders kind of know what you're interested in um, and can place you effectively. All right. At nine, you get a bike. (laughs) Everyone gets a bike. (laughs) I don't quite know why. I guess there's like there are cars and there are planes in this world, but everyone gets a bike. And everyone the whole thing is like you're not supposed to ride a bike until you're nine. But everyone teaches their little sister or brother how to ride a bike.
1: It's just Oh, that's of, just how that's like how driving works.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, it's kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Um ten, you start to get your hair cut and girls can can let their hair down.
1: Wait, do you not get your haircut for 10 years? Yeah,
0: when you're a boy, you don't get a haircut until you're 10.
1: It's just a little community of Cousin It people wandering around and bumping into each other. Well, and you're
0: not really acknowledging that the genders are are too different until then, right?
1: I feel like not getting a haircut before you give them the bikes is just inviting a bunch of bike accidents. (laughs) You're
0: inviting a bunch of gorgeous hair in wind scenarios, Andrew. That's what you're inviting. I don't
1: know. Like, what if you can't see and you just you all crash into each
0: other? So here's the here's the good part. At age 11, you get new underpants. Girls, you've been wearing the same underpants. No, stop it. You get (laughs) like kind of adult people underpants because your bodies are changing, right? But then, tell
1: me what. Adult people underpants means I, they just, to you. The book like, just says you, undergarments. What are you talking about? Okay. So bras, oh, like and so, stuff. like a bra. Yeah, like a
0: bra or something like that. I don't know. Okay. But then, if if you have a dream, so this happens to Jonas in the book. He has a dream about his friend Fiona, and it's kind of weird because they volunteered together at the elderly care facility where they have to like wash the old people.
1: Okay. And
0: then he has a dream that instead of an old person in the bath fiona was in the bath
1: okay all right
0: and he wakes up and every morning at breakfast you have to tell your dreams <laughs> <laughs> this is true is part of the book <laughs>
1: All right.
0: Now, what's kind of great is you don't know like the reader does not know that this is a tradition until that part of the book. <laughs> Mom, I had the boner dream again. No, it's his Mom. first it's his first boner dream. He's never had one before. And he's his parents kind of give him some stern looks and then his uh he's kind of having trouble t- talking about it. His dad takes his sister, you know, out to get ready for school, and his mom's like, "Hey Jonas, why don't you hang out for a second? Why don't you wait?" And she explains to him that this is what the community calls the stirrings. Okay, and <laughs> that they're perfectly normal, but now you need to take a pill. And so everyone in the community takes pills so they don't have sex feelings or any sort of real emotions. Uh, Welcome to the future, isn't it great?
1: If you wanted him to stop having sex feelings, you just have him get married, am I right?
0: <laughs> what kind of joke is that?
1: It's a joke about marriage, am I right?
0: <laughs> so, then, what do you think happens based on just, like, it's a book about Jonas, Andrew, and... He's the main character, and we get to the assignment ceremony where all the 12-year-olds get their jobs. What do you think happens?
1: So based on every trailer for every, like, dystopian sci-fi movie that I've seen, I bet that Jonas either defies expectations somehow or gets a job that is special and different from all the other jobs.
0: Yep. He gets named the Receiver of Memory, and it's very tense because he, uh... He, he gets skipped You're, you know you get your jobs in order of when you were born and he gets skipped and everyone's like why is that happening
1: you can and imagine the scene in the in the upcoming 2014 <laughs> film adaptation of the giver I'm,
0: I'm, I'm directing the crowd scenes everyone goes um And he gets named the receiver of memories, which up until this point, the book has not really explained what that means. And everyone kind of knows that it's important, but people don't really know what the deal is. There is a dude who lives in a shack-ish office thing, and he is the current receiver of memories. And now Jonas is going to go train with him to become the new one. And that's about all he knows. So so begins a process where an an old man, uh, touches Jonas on the back and gives him memories from a time before the sameness. You're laughing, but this is the book.
1: No, just your phraseology was was
0: curious this is a respected for a second. middle school curricular novel.
1: So a little a uh, like thirteen year old boy goes 12. into a hut. Uh-huh. with an old man yep. and they'd touch each other no 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 and have memories it's a
0: one way thing it's a one way okay. thing
1: obviously but it's kind of like magic
0: <laughs> like the book up until now has had no magic in it and it all of a sudden like i can you know give you a massage and now you can you have a memory of riding a sled on snow like that magic it's just how it happens Okay, all right, so you gotta go you gotta yeah yeah well, walk
1: me through walk me through the relationship between the giver and and Jonas because that is that's like key to the rest of the book I guess. it's yeah, the
0: giver is really kind of he's old and he's wizened and he's been doing this a long time nice um nice vocab word, yeah, no problem. I'm in middle school yeah, <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> but he's not actually that old the the task of carrying these memories around has um. kind of taking its toll on him. And one of the things that Jonas starts to learn from the Giver, like, Jonas is given this sheet of paper that says, like, he's allowed to walk around the community and ask everyone everything. And he has all sorts of, you know, autonomy now that he is going to be the new receiver. And the Giver can turn off the monitoring device from the elders in his hut. Because they don't actually want to know about the memories. The role of the of the receiver is to hold on to these memories from the past, so that uh, if there's a like a problem in the community that they can't solve, they can turn to him for advice. Like this has happened before. Here's what we should do about it. Right. And Jonas okay. doesn't know any of this. So through the Giver, Jonas starts learning a lot about what the community used to be. Get this, Andrew. They used. They don't have any hills.
1: Really? Is yeah. that does the sameness extend to? Like yes. <laughs> rises above and below sea level. Is well, that,
0: they wow. they it pre- prevented them from being terribly efficient with like transporting cargo. So they just flattened everything. There's, Why
1: wouldn't they just make a town that was all downhill?
0: Well, but that's the thing. The first memory that he gives Jonas is of one one of going downhill on a sled, and Jonas learns the word downhill. What?
1: <laughs> I feel like they re- they could have made a community that was just an Escher painting that was all downhill <laughs> slopes. <laughs> they could have. <laughs> um, so then he also
0: learns what sunburn is, because apparently they don't have, like, sunshine.
1: Yeah, tell it, me about the weather. Th- it's... N-
0: it's the same. They don't have any. They don't have weather. They don't have colors, Andrew. There's no colors. It's sameness. Now, up until up until the part where Jonas is talking to the Giver about how he saw colors in the dream and how he's starting to see color because he's special, because he has special eyes, and he keeps seeing these like glimmer things, and he's explaining them to the to the Giver. Up until then, the book has not told you that there are no colors. Like it just kind of reveals that, like, voila This place is gray. I don't know if you So we're that.
1: having a like Wizard of Oz kind of moment here where all of a sudden he can see color.
0: Kind well, it's not all of a sudden, but he is he's gradually developing it because he now has memories that have color in them. Um Yeah, I guess. Um. So the giver really sad because it, the last uh, receiver that was named about ten years ago was his daughter, and she couldn't. His handle bio daughter or his like assigned daughter? I think assigned daughter. Okay. Nice, nice uh, jargon there. Thanks. <laughs> You're my bio daughter.
1: <laughs> Thanks, man.
0: Uh, and she, he gave her memories that. Uh, had loneliness and sadness in them because these because people don't experience those things in any real way anymore. Thanks, sameness. Um, and he tried to give this to her and she asked to be released. And this is a concept that the book has mentioned a bunch of times. And so when old people get too old to live anymore um, or to live comfortably, the elderly facility... Ru- Throws a little party for them, and they walk through this door and get "quote unquote" released. And up until later in the book, Jonas does not know that that means dead. He thinks that that means they go elsewhere.
1: <laughs> they go to live on a farm upstate. It
0: literally, it's it's a capital E elsewhere. Like <laughs> it's like some Mata Dr. Seuss, right? It's just you leave the community and go elsewhere. Um, and the other running thread of of things that get released are If there's like a set of twins that get born, because that's not sameness, um, the lower weight one after a certain period of time will get released. And that's pretty scandalous when Jonas figures that out.
1: That's a bummer.
0: Well, because also his dad is one of the guys who cares for babies. Not his bio dad, but his sameness dad.
1: His adopted dad. Yeah, Yeah, his
0: adopto dad.
1: Um He's not a robot like <laughs> and his I dad, am Adopto Dad. I am adopto
0: Dad, come with me. Please insert
1: hugs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this will be your forever home. Um and up until now Jonas has thought of his dad as, as a very nice, kind, loving man, and uh he f- has learned in this instant that grown ups lie and that he has been lied to his whole life by them in terms of what the society is in a variety of capacities. Um,
1: but does the society even see it as lying, or is that, are they all just doing their duties as assigned? Like, kind of. Do a, they even know about the concept of lying?
0: They, well, I think it's a mix, right? Because uh, Jonas, on the sheet he's given when he's assigned receiver, the last rule on the sheet is you are allowed to lie. And Jonas is like, what? Nobody
1: <laughs> lies. What are you talking about? I don't have to tell mom about my boner dreams yeah. anymore?
0: <laughs> and he also finds out after a couple of dreams where he does experience this, not dreams, memories, excuse me, that um, love is not a real thing. Um, and one of the reasons is that the community's in, kind of insistence on precision of language means that love is kind of an obsolete concept. Because um, it's too mushy, right? It's too ungainly, right? So there's actually a scene. I'm gonna try and find it real
1: quick. There's one. There's one sequence, and maybe it's the one you're looking for. But um, there's one scene that really drives that that whole language thing home. Is once early in the book, Jonas recalls this time where he told a teacher that he was like starving. Oh yeah. Before it was but you know he was he was waiting to get lunch and he said oh i'm starving like you know using some hyperbole like you, were, you and i would and not really thinking about it and the teacher comes to him and says you know you are not starving you will never be starving you you should just say hungry or, or whatever <laughs> yeah and then the giver gives him a memory of starving, and he's like, "Oh, now, now things are clear to me."
0: Yeah, and and that's kind of one of the moments when he realizes that the words that people are using aren't even true anyway. Like he's like, "My my sister's never been angry. She doesn't know anything about injustice or war or death. She was upset because someone like cut in front of her." She was frustrated. Yeah, like they
1: all need to they all need to describe to each other their muted stupid emotions. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that's cuz I don't know if you if you mentioned like I think you you implied earlier but the elders of the town are kind of listening in on you all the time.
0: Yes, they have these these two-way like PA speakers that are in every house. They're all over the town. Um and what makes the and they can speak to you through them, right? Uh, right. So if yeah. you do something bad, or or you brag about yourself, or or use a word incorrectly, or don't tie up your bike, or whatever, like they'll yell
1: at you, and and that's that. Right. Yeah. So this whole like emotion talking thing seems like seems to me like a way to find real emotions among all the like baby's first emotions mm-hmm. that these people are having at each other all the time. Well, and. The part of
0: the I imagine it's also a form of control right because then if anybody kind of had too many emotions or or emotions that were too big they would get right released. or like
1: a dream about killing somebody or yeah. something yeah um so the thing
0: that kind of starts to take shape towards the end of the book it's a really weird structure because I feel like the book ends really swiftly um the giver and Jonas kind of decide that the memories are too important and that this after jonas learns what releasing is and and learns of a of a baby that's going to be released that he doesn't feel should be released um he's like we have to save these people we have to do something about it um and the plan is like i don't know that i understand why they made that plan like it's like the giver's going to stick around to help them with their memories. And what's going to happen is Jonas is going to leave the community. And then magically all the memories are going to fly out of his head.
1: And infect all the people in the town. Yeah. So I mean have we have we talked about the way. That the memory transference thing. Yeah works? we like, talked about the like,
0: du- old dude in a hut touching a 12 year old.
1: Right but I mean like. so So Jonas and the giver are hanging out and the giver's like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna put my hands on your back and transfer this memory into you and like if if the giver is thinking of sunshine then jonas feels all like like warm like really warm in real life and if he's transferring a memory of like pain and suffering then jonas feels that in his real life it's like temporarily putting yourself in some kind of like total recall machine where you'd feel (laughs) where, <laughs> where you feel the things that the giver is transmitting to you, yeah, and then that memory is like a thing that you have. Like the giver can dimly recall the memory, but that that like the sensation and like the bulk of it is with the person who's received it. And it's, so it's a like, one-way
0: transaction.
1: Yeah, right. Like the memories are these little parcels that are handed from one person to another. And so when Jonas is told to leave the town, and I don't know why, like, I don't know what proximity has to do with anything, <laughs> but as he gets further from the town, he's just going to start losing memories out of his sleeves and they're all going to fly back and like hit all the people in the town simultaneously. Well, and that's what, and I think that's where people start talking about the plausibility yes. thing is like, what, what are you talking about? Yeah. Up until then, the book
0: does a really good job of stressing like the importance of memory on, on a, on a, a personal level and on a societal level, right? Like, what happens to a town if they don't know what like if they don't even remember what warfare and conflict are? So God forbid there were some, like they would be completely screwed, right? They also don't know the the it does a lot about the kind of two sided coin of pain and any true pleasure. Um midway through the book when when Jonas has a dream where you not a dream. I keep saying that a memory where he's basically on like a world war one or world war two battlefield where he is dying after giving some other dying man water um, and listening to the sound of horses dying, which is a thing that I've read in a lot of books that always upsets me. It's like the worst noise. Uh, I have never heard a horse die. I've, I don't think I've ever heard it. It's my, my mind's ear conjures like the, most terrible sound <laughs> and it's coming out of a horse um, so in that chapter the like one of the worst f- memories is of kind of death and warfare Andrew what do you remember what the best memory is or at least the giver's favorite memory is of like true happiness Oh man,
1: I don't remember is it like some kind of birthday party or something or am I totally it's
0: Christmas
1: it's oh, Christmas it right. had, I, was I, I was like I
0: get it I get it. I get it why it's Christmas, but I was reading and being like, really, it's Christmas. That's what it is. <laughs> it seems a little on the nose. Um, so, you know, what he learns is like, he learns the meaning of true family because unlike the community, there are elderly people in the room with, with these people in this memory, kind of sharing the happiness with each other as they give each other gifts. Um, mm-hmm. And so he kind of learns a different meaning of of togetherness and uh, an actual love right and what happened before when the giver's daughter died she had some memories in her and when she was released they all flooded back into the community everyone everybody got nuts and went upset uh went upset they went nuts and got upset oh my god (laughs) memories are flying into me
1: god i'm going so upset at you right now
0: (laughs) God. I went nuts yesterday. Um and so the giver's his plan is that he is going to hang around and and help people manage the memories that they receive as as Jonas flees. Um and Jonas takes the baby with him and then the book kind of ends real suddenly and and bleakly for a a kid's book, I suppose. Um
1: Yeah, I mean it kind of it ends abruptly and it, and and it, there's like a hanging Sort of ending. I don't know. Maybe that's why she went back and wrote three more books. Yeah, <laughs> I think
0: so. Um, and he's got he's like kind of what I think is really cool, and and could be really neat to watch in in that movie when it comes out. Is he starts like using dream like uh, dreams. He starts using memories, uh, to help him along the way. Like he conjures a memory of of warmth and and gives it to the baby so that the baby isn't upset. While they're you know running out in the snow,
1: and yeah, stuff. and it's 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 weird because the way it's described makes it sound like he's got this like reservoir of warmth memories. He doesn't. He doesn't. And he's like he's like giving them one at a time. He's like, oh man, I'm running out of warmth memories. This is the last one I've got. <laughs>
0: so yeah, I think I think one of the book's strengths is is kind of how much is left to your imagination, right? So that if you were teaching this book or, or talking about this book with someone of this age, you can, they can fill in the blanks that are important to them and kind of tease out thematic resonances, be it on authority or on the relationship between identity and memory or uh, what it's like to know like a true happiness in contrast to true sorrow or, or pain. Um, but the way that it delivers those themes is through this kind of very, very shaky house of cards. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, there's there's one particular critical quote of the book that I really liked. Um, this is from Deborah Doyle, who also writes uh, YA fiction. Okay, and she says that personal taste aside, The Giver fails the plausibility test. Things are the way they are in the novel because the author is making a point. Things work out the way they do because the author's point requires it. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean... Like capital P point. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, that's true. And I totally... I, that is a very valid take on this book Um, because I thought, I thought it was going to be a... The story I got felt like it should have been longer in a way. I felt like I could have... Sat around with the Giver and Jonas for a lot longer than you do. If that makes sense, I wanted to see yeah, fallout like in the community.
1: You, you'd think that every time this giver-to-receiver transfer happened, that the new receiver would have these thoughts like, "Oh, we need to tell everybody. Like, like we we we've lost so much by giving up our ability to have these." have these memories you'd think that that would happen with everyone and that this society would have figured out a way to like put a lid on that by now i guess
0: i guess the 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 thing that the book tries to say is special about jonas is how quickly he is learning from the the memories and how quickly he's taking them yeah Um, i
1: feel like that's a that's a thing that's Told more than it is shown. Yes, but I agree, I it may agree be with you. Misremembering
0: because um, yeah. every what what is interesting is that everyone who is capable of this has like some sort of sight beyond sight. Like he has.
1: They all have like blue eyes, right? Yeah, all like they all have eyes. A really. They have a really obvious like physical quality about them that which sets that them tells apart. the reader yeah. that they can that they can absorb these memories. Um, and.
0: You know, Jonas can see things that aren't quite there in the in the real world, or or can see different things about them, kind of like seeing things from miles away, or, or seeing mm-hmm. something in the in the memories that is actually now in the real world. The Giver can he can hear music, um, whether or not music is playing. You know, and I, I don't even think they have music in the sameness world anyway. So, boo that. Um, it would all
1: be like Pat Boone or something <laughs> like him. We
0: are we are attacking the middle of this country uh, today.
1: Like what? What music would there be in a world of the sameness? It would be like Pat Boone and the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> that would be like every radio station would just be wall to wall that in the sameness universe. In the sameness. Um.
0: Yeah. So I guess. What it do- what I imagine would be the argument in in the the logic of the universe, what logic there is there, uh, that would prevent a giver for or a receiver rather from kind of going to the elders with like a grand plan, is that it does take such a toll on them that they are worn down and kind of beleaguered by the memories themselves, because they have to experience yeah, the- physically all of those
1: memories yeah i guess the counterpoint to what jonas is feeling is is like i need to protect all these people from this stuff like i recognize that it's important to remember it but in some ways it's good that you know the bad stuff is kept away from everybody yeah like even even at the cost of good stuff like Maybe the good the you know, not having to deal with the bad stuff outweighs the cost of the good stuff.
0: Well, and the thing that surprised me was that the book did not it didn't deal with this kind of grand save the universe narrative actually. It takes this hard right turn into Jonas decides that this one baby that he has grown to care for, who is also kind of like him, um, is worth saving and splits, otherwise the baby's gonna get released. So like yeah it's not even it's not even the plan that they were trying to enact uh and Jonas kind of just does it on a whim um which felt like really sudden and i don't know if, if i don't know if i found it uh kind of dramatically satisfying when it happens you know
1: yeah i mean it it had it has like the it, it feels true in in the way that you know, when you're planning something big like this, it rarely happens according to plan and you just kind of have to take your window of opportunity when you see it. But yeah, yeah in, in terms of a of something that's narratively satisfying and, you know, especially if you're writing young adult fiction, like, I don't know, you, you could have things go according to plan and maybe kids will question that less than they will question your like all of a sudden – turning your book into another kind of story i don't know yeah i don't know
0: it's it's interesting because i can definitely see the the shared dna with the like host of special teen young adult fiction that is dominating Mm -hmm. both our bookshelves and our movie theaters today and our hearts and our hearts that that jennifer (laughs) lawrence man just dump just she's just so personable she fell down and everything
1: so, at the end of this book, like jonas is is biking as hard as he can to like elsewhere. he doesn't even know where he's and going, I, and all the memories are flying out of him and like, I'm just trying to think of what the community would look like to people who didn't live in the community like if there are if there are normal quote unquote normal places within biking distance. Like what are the, what are they all like like oh don't don't drive up i95 you're going to hit that weird <laughs> cult town but here's the part
0: well and i95 is not <laughs> that flat I'll tell you that much
1: sameness cult town but
0: here's the problem they talk about how there are kids that come over from other communities right so like
1: but my impression of those kids was that those capital c communities were Similar in their yes. sameness, but they just had slightly different rules yes. from the community that we spend most of our time in.
0: Exactly. That is that is the impression. But he goes, he doesn't go very far, and then all of a sudden there's snow. So are they like in some sort of
1: biodome? Like what's going They're on? They're just in California. <laughs> He's biking from Central California to like Northern California. <laughs> he
0: made it across the bay.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's that's where it kind of starts to... This this sweater is is willing to come apart if you pull at it, even just the <laughs> slightest bit. Um, but that's not to say that there isn't some really thought provoking stuff, especially for someone like for the age group it's written for, right?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, like it's a sweater with a nice pattern, but it's not gonna it's not gonna make it through the washing machine, is what you're saying. Yes, you shouldn't be like put... the washing machine of critical thought. <laughs> <laughs> but this is... and the detergent of in-depth discussion. Yeah, I suppose. I
0: no, I I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot to the book. I think I think, uh, the plot is not as strong as the book's ideas. And I've I've run into plenty of works of fiction that I feel similarly about.
1: Where yeah, and I think the book's ideas are strong enough to. Like when when people who are eleven or twelve or thirteen are reading this, they're not necessarily thinking, "Well, I don't know, Lois Lowry. I I I don't think your narrative hangs together as well as you would like it to." No, they don't. Like they don't think of things so critically. So <laughs> well, and
0: and imagine reading reading a book when you're that age and the first like magical moment occurs and it's like a dude giving someone else a memory of sledding like that's kind of great because you're 11 and you love sledding but it's also given this reverence that in a more fantastical novel would be reserved for something less mundane right there's kind sure. of a a reverence for that deep appreciation for life that then goes hand in hand with something as kind of terrible as war and and starvation. Um that the book kind of does does a pretty good job of spelling out like what it is to feel that way, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, I don't
0: know. That's we've been talking okay. for a while on this, but I didn't expect yeah, us no, to I mean, I th- I was, as I was much just to gonna talk say about.
1: we should wrap up, but I wanted to ask you um okay, so you are the giver. Okay. And you have all the memories of all of humankind. Like, what are the memories that didn't make the cut? Like, I think I don't think the giver is going to give Jonas a memory of what it's like to eat a whole pizza by yourself. <laughs> here's the problem. We, so what are your reject memories? I mean, here's, if
0: problem. we were nominating receivers today... And we're like, "All right, guys, the world is terrible. We need to put all of our memories in uh Steve over here. Um everyone give Steve your favorite memories. How many cat videos end up in Steve?" Andrew. How Steve,
1: many To be I mean, Steve would get an unparalleled library of like HBO and AMC shows. <laughs> like and Steve would get the whole run of Breaking Bad to pass on to future generations. It'd
0: be like that that Dragon movie where what was that called? Where in the in like the not so distant future society is broken down because dragons came back and burned everything and then they're like quote unquote telling stories by the campfire and they're just doing Star Wars. (laughs) I guess what is that? Is that Rain of Fire? That's
1: that's what it would. I have no idea. That's what what it would be. They would
0: think that we all had laser swords and couldn't breathe without helmets on, and we loved cats.
1: So that's... And they would then, like, seasons one, three, four, and five of Friday Night Lights or something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't think that they would—the number of lazy Sundays that might not make it in, the number of just, like, I'm not showering today Sundays. Yeah,
1: man, like, that's part of the human experience. Like, if Jonas doesn't get a memory that's of him, like, dipping a graham cracker and a can of frosting and eating it, like— he doesn't know anything about life. Come on, man.
0: If, I, if we are giving Steve memories, I'm giving him my memory of the time that you ate. Was it you or Gene who ate a can of Chef Boyardee with, without microwaving it? And then That was
1: me, and that was SpaghettiOs, and it was not a memory that I would pass on to anybody. But how
0: my like that goes hand in hand that's the other side of the coin from like all of oh, my Oh yeah I favorite. did I did
1: learn a lot about the human experience <laughs> You learned a lot about I g- learned why we prepared food You learned about gastroenterology you know <laughs> See,
0: like all of my wonderful food experiences are the other like half of the flip side. you where like, you ate
1: sushi from the gas station and got food poisoning.
0: Time I ate that melted Oreo pizza. Like that thing was the worst. Ugh! Thanks Domino's. Thanks sameness. <laughs> Domino's is sameness.
1: The official pizza sponsor of the sameness.
0: <laughs> oh man. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Yeah, I would like to think so. (laughs) I would would like to think so. I will maybe remember this. Um, So I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Kara on Twitter and and like we said, Nina on Facebook for for reaching out. We really appreciate uh, people using social media to either spread word about the show or just interact with us. It's it's a great way uh, for us to know that you're listening and what you're enjoying about the show. We've already gotten a bunch of great recommendations from new listeners and I think we're finally in a spot where we can kind of start making good on those after uh we've kind of gotten our current plans out of the way, like last week's Dr. Seuss thing. Um and yeah, if you want to do that, like I said, you could you could reach out to us at twitter.com slash overdue pod or facebook.com slash overdue pod. Andrew, what where else can they reach us?
1: <laughs> we have an email address, that's pod at gmail dot com. And um, all of this information is up on our website at OverduePodcast.com. And uh, up there we also have um, RSS links and a link to our iTunes store page. You can use either of those to subscribe to the show, in, um, you know, whether you use an iPhone or an Android device or whatever it is that you listen to, to things with. Um, if you subscribe through iTunes, we would really appreciate it if you'd take time to rate and review us. Uh, we looked at our page before we recorded this week's show, and it looks like we've gotten a fair number of, of new ratings. We are at five stars out of five currently, which means We're our podcast best. literally cannot be any better than it is right now. <laughs> <We're> the best. <laughs> you know what would make it better, so, though, is
0: if people in Wyoming would listen to this show.
1: Come on, Wyoming! Get it together. But um, yeah, it, it just takes a second to write a review, and that it really helps us out in the rankings. Um, one of Craig's friends said that she saw us in the two hundred twentieth spot of all podcasts on iTunes. Which, I mean, t- considered in the grand spectrum of all podcasts that have ever existed, I think that's pretty good. So keep it up. Um, it, yeah, so that just takes a couple minutes out of your day and we we really love to see that kind of thing. Um up on our website we also have Amazon links to the books that we have read, the books that we are going to read. If you click those and buy the books from Amazon, we get a little bit of a cut of that and um you know, when you click those links and buy pretty much anything, we get a cut from that. So if you need like batteries or like kitty litter or something, go ahead and click through our book links first and then buy it. <laughs> and um, we we get a little bit of cash to defray our hosting costs and things like that and um people have have been doing that this month and we we just really really appreciate it um it it really helps us out in a very like tangible way
0: (laughs) yeah it's pretty great uh andrew okay what are you uh what are you reading for next week
1: uh next week i'm going to read king lear by william shakespeare
0: all right there's like yeah. old guys. That's our new theme right now. Old guys, old guys with memories, he- old guys with regrets.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally intentional. Don't even, don't even think about it. Okay, uh, we will see you guys next week. And until then, try to be happy. Susanna's out of town, that's sad. Where is well, she? Well, I mean, she's in she's in Canada with her mom seeing Shakespeare plays. Oh, uh, she's on her Shakespeare play trip. Yes, she's at Stratford. Yes. I don't know if it has if there's like another part of the name, but she just calls it Stratford, so it's that's how I it is. not Stratford-upon-Avon. No, I mean, I know that's what it's in reference to, but I don't know if the Is it though? festival is called something else. Yeah, right? I thought it was what just else? the
0: name of it's, the place
1: it's a Shakespeare festival called Stratford I know I think Stratford is the
0: name of the location so kind of like how there's Plymouth Rock here and Plymouth in England where you know the pilgrims left from and they found another place and called it Plymouth because they liked the name Plymouth so much
1: because when they got there the the native the indigenous peoples were building Plymouths (laughs) Yes, and they said, these Plymouths sure do rock. (laughs)
0: Learn
1: a little something about history.